All right. How many of you notice the dove? It's a little more level now. Because, believe it or not, my wife, among others, complained, the dove is tilted, dog. <laughs> the dove is now descending perfectly, all right? <laughs> all right? Maybe. First Samuel, chapter 14, we'll look at uh, most of this chapter. Uh, normally, I don't announce the theme or the title to the sermon, but it's Fathers Be Humble, and I think we'll see that. But in verse 23 of chapter 24, we read where, So the Lord saved Israel that day. So let's pick it up from there, and we will pick up 1 Samuel chapter 14, 24 through 37. And men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken my vengeance, taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people came into the woods, there was honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge. <clears throat> Uh, with the people on the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of his rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put it, his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened or he became encouraged. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoils of their enemies which they have found. For now there would have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash of Agilon, to, so the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoils and took the sheep, oxen, and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with blood. Then, the, then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, Disperse among yourselves, among the people, and say to them, Bring... Me here, every man's ox, every man's sheep, slaughter them here and eat. Do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with, with him that night, and they slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. That was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Now Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But God did not answer him that day. Saul, in verse 24, he puts his people, he puts his army under an earth oath, and he says, 
Cursed is the man who eats food until evening. Saul is wanting the people laser sharp on their responsibilities, but it's a foolish thing that he's asking of them. Why this old Saul? Why would you say don't eat food? Food, and Saul says, I want to take vengeance for me on my enemies. Saul has selfish motives. In the verse previous, the Lord of Israel said, I saved Israel today. And Saul is not giving God glory for the victory, but he's wanting to take his own vengeance. And we see Saul is caught up in what we would call his own importance. God saves Israel, but Saul puts a burden on Israel, and his ego demanded that he do so. No food until my enemies have tasted my vengeance. How I wish that was a thing of the past and not today. There are several very large Calvary chapels around the country. And we will often hear people refer to them, well, that's Greg Laurie's church, or that's Skip Isaac's church. They don't, the pastors don't promote this. They don't pr promote personal ownership of the churches. But let me just say this, Calvary Chapel Madison is my church. Why? Because I attend here. <laughs> it's my church, not because of my ownership of it. We who attend here, this is the church of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't give up his church to any person. Always remember, the people make up the church or a fellowship. God has his subtle ways of showing me who you, this body of believers, belong to, and it's not me. <laughs> I couldn't take it on anyway. So I urge all of us, let's be about Jesus. And Saul, he is about himself, and in my humble opinion, he's losing control of his kingship. And we're beginning to see what we call character flaws in Saul. Samuel, back in chapter 13, verse 14, he told Saul, but your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has brought, has sought rather for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept the word the Lord commanded you. And that man after God's heart is a little shepherd boy out in the fields that God is beginning to school, and its name is David. Simple obedience unto God's word by Saul, and he disobeys. His commands, his decisions are based upon selfish recognition and their unwise decisions. In my opinion, I see Saul scrambling. He is doing everything he can to try to regain control 
of his kingship, but he refuses to repent. He won't repent. He just makes foolish move after foolish move. And who knows what Saul might have been. All we know is what became of Saul. I want to tell you a little secret here. The Apostle Paul said, I am chief among sinners. And he said that late in his life, not early in his life. He said that after being an apostle for years. In my humble opinion, I repent more than you all. I do. That's just my opinion. I know I repent more than you do. <laughs> Why? Because I'm sinful. And repenting, I get to turn and change from certain behavior. I, uh, I heard one prominent pastor of a de uh, denomination declare that he no longer repents. And I thought, wow. <laughs> and his thinking, Christ had forgiven him on the day of his salvation, all of his sins, past and present. There's one flaw in that thinking. To repent simply means to turn from. That man is saying, I have no need whatsoever of changing anything in my life. Or, I have arrived. And that is an extremely prideful position. My behavior, your behavior, is not always perfect before the Lord. We are, present tense, going through what we call sanctification, a work of the Holy Spirit conforming us into the image of God. That's our human fate. That, that's part of what we're going through in life, the refining process. God, the, by the Holy Spirit, he puts his spotlight upon our unpleasing behavior. We commit our lives unto God, and we sometimes miss the mark. That's all sin is, missing the mark. And we need to turn. We need to repent, and it's that simple. Repentance is a good thing. But notice Saul's actions after Samuel has confronted him. Well, verse 2 of chapter 14, we see that he's sitting under a pomegranate tree with 600 bodyguards surrounding him. 600 bodyguards that don't have weapons, but Saul still feels compelled to have 600 men there sitting around him. Verse 17, Saul calls out for a roll call. It's time to take roll, and he wants to know who is missing, and it's his own son that's missing. And this surprises Saul. Verses 18 and 19, Saul calls for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought by the priest. And Saul wants the presence, which the Ark represented. He wants the presence of God at least represented there. God does not dwell in buildings. He doesn't dwell in arks. And they only represent his presence. I once heard a wise man declare, it's not how much of the Holy Spirit do we have, 
It's how much of us does the Holy Spirit have? Is he Lord? Does he guide you? Does he direct you? Saul is right in the middle of trying to manipulate God. Trying to get God to work on his own personal behalf. But the ark has no answers for Saul. But the battle noise, it continues. It gets louder and it gets louder. And Saul tells the priests, withdraw your hand from the ark. And Saul goes into battle with 600 men, not hearing from God. He had the priests remove their hand before he got an answer for God. But the battle, it's long, it's difficult, and Saul's army is growing tired, and the people are growing tired, and they're distressed. And it's Saul, then he puts the people under an oath. Verse 24, Cursed is a man who eats any food until evening before I have taken my revenge. But Saul's own son, Jonathan, he wasn't there to hear this uh, oath or this curse put upon the people. And he didn't hear Saul. And so he dips the head of his spar, the butt of the spear, into a little honey, eats it, and he's refreshed by the, the sweetness of the honey. It gives him a little strength. And then Jonathan is made aware of his father's oath. Jonathan has a word to say about this. My father has troubled the land of Israel. And he says, how much better it would have been if the people had eaten freely today. We could have had a greater victory over the Philistines. So Jonathan realized his dad is being very foolish. The people, they've been in battle. They're famished. They're, they're hungry. They're grabbing anything in the Philistine camp that's edible. And they're eating animals before they're completely cooked. And they're eating what we would call in the blood of the animals with it. Saul says this is a sin. This is wrong. And in verse 30, Paul builds an altar, and this is his first altar. And Saul wants to go down that night and plunder the Philistines. And this altar, the priests have said, let us draw near to God here and now. The priests want to hear from God. But Saul won't wait. Verse 37, Saul asked God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? But God did not answer him that day. Scripture makes a point to say God did not answer him. It's foolishness when we move forward, assuming upon God's will presumptuously. But let's read verses 38 through 52. And Saul said, Come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives who saved Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Nobody seems like they will talk to Saul in his rash uh, behavior. Then he said to all Israel, 
you be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die. And Saul answered, God do so, and more also for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. And as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Malachites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. And then in verses 49 through 51, I, I won't read, but it's Saul's family is being mentioned here, his immediate family. And then in verse 52, now there was a fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man of, or any valiant man, he took him for his own army. Notice, Saul cannot force God to answer him. He's tried several times. He brought the ark. He did the different things, cast lot. He's almost demanding that God answer him, and God says, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> so Saul, now he's going to cast lots. He's so desperate for an answer from God that he's willing to resort to what we would call drawing straws. You get the short straw, you get, get an answer from God. And Saul said to the Lord, and he says it, and he's not saying it in a reverent way, give me an answer, God, to my demands. The drawing of straws, the lot falls on Jonathan, and Saul declares, Tell me what you have done, my son. And he said, I only tasted a little honey. I did not hear your foolish command not to eat this day. So because of this, dad, dear old dad, I've got to die. Saul's answer, you shall surely die. Now we have here a compound foolishness by Saul. Saul could have relented. He could have said, hey, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But he doesn't. He doesn't say, I was perhaps a little haste, a little overzealous against the Philistines, and maybe I shouldn't have said that. But he doesn't say that. His sin was 
not waiting to hear from God. But Saul doesn't confess to that sin. He's caught up in promoting his kingship. He's posturing, as we would say. He's wanting to look brave. He's wanting to look wise. He's wanting to look strong. And to do this, he is even willing that his own son die. You shall surely die, my son. Saul's reputation is more important than Jonathan, his son's life. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, dads, don't get so caught up in law and order, having things done your way that you find yourself like Saul. Willing. Saul, no, he's not just willing. He's insisting that his own son die. Why? And it's because of Saul's own disobedience. And he takes it out on his son. You, my son, shall surely die. The people rescued Jonathan. Then they say, Jonathan is not going to die here, Saul. Jonathan, he accomplished great salvation today. He worked with God. And the people will not allow Saul, King Saul, to do his terrible deed of killing his own son. And they said, as the Lord lives, not one hair of Jonathan shall fall to the ground. And they rescue Jonathan. The people that Saul so desperately wants to impress with his wise decision, with his kingship, they rescue his own son from him. Long story short, Saul owes Jonathan an apology. But he can't bring himself to do that. Saul himself has sinned against God. He's been lifted up in pride. He's made rash, impetuous decisions, and they've come back to haunt him. He was not willing to obey God's commands. He insisted on doing his own will. And don't miss this. He was not willing to humble himself and admit he needed to repent. And that ends up in him asking for his son's death. That is severe pride gone amok. Fathers, have you ever asked your children to forgive you? Have you ever said to them, Dad was wrong? Believe me, fathers, our family knows us. Have you ever been courageous enough to say, I was wrong in my decision, and I did you wrong? Please forgive me. My oldest son, 
this is years ago, back when I was farming in California. He had a diesel truck. And when money was tight, he would come and fill up his diesel tank on his truck from the farm diesel tank. He did this one day when he thought I wasn't watching, but I happened to be watching. <laughs> and I took this opportunity to bust him. You know, I gotcha. You're stealing from dad. And I came down hard on him. A few hours later, the Holy Spirit is dealing with me. And he's trying to talk to me. And he says, that's your own son that you have accused of stealing. Long story short, I go to my son. And I said, son, this is dad's farm. Therefore, it is your farm also. Don't be sneaking around taking diesel fuel. If you want it, just take it. It's yours. No sneaking around. And he took advantage of me. <laughs> I was his gas station then. <laughs> and I thought he would take advantage of me. But time went by, several months, and my son came to me, and he said, Dad, you know that I was wrong when I came and took fuel. But you came and apologized to me. He said, Dad, I'll never forget that. I was in the wrong, but you apologized. And he said, I can't forget that. And our relationship was restored. Jonathan knows his father. Saul is wrong asking for his death. But Jonathan is willing to let God, through the people, rescue him. Jonathan probably could have slain his own father, you know, if it came down to a battle. Back in... Uh, Verse 29, we hear Jonathan say, My father has troubled Israel. He's troubled the land with this oath of his by not eating. So what's the message here? Fathers and children, are we willing to humble ourselves and give forgiveness? Or are we willing to suffer wrong? for our relationship with our children. There are so many verses in Scripture about humbling ourselves before one another and before the Lord. Our Scripture reading this morning was out of Psalm 10. God does not forget the humble. God has heard the desires of the humble. God who prepares the heart of the humble. Let me give you one more verse out of Psalm. Psalm 25, 9. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his ways.
It's said of Jesus, he was a man of sorrows, accompanied with grief. One of the things I think we sometimes miss about Jesus, he remained vulnerable. We read in the Gospel of John where Jesus knew that Judas was stealing from the money pouch that he carried for all 12 of them. Would you have let Judas, Judas continue to carry the money pouch? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the guy's a thief. <laughs> but Jesus was willing to let Judas carry it. He was willing to let Judas carry the money, knowing that he stole from it. God desires that we remain humble. He desires that we turn the other cheek. Those are hard verses to understand if you're not willing to humble your, yourself. But should we not show kindness and grace having received so much kindness and grace? Happy Father's Day. Let me get you to stand close in prayer. Father God, give us a humble heart. And Lord, sometimes you have to take us through little difficult situations for us to see how judgmental we can be, how self-righteous we can be. But Lord, you said your heart goes out to the humble. You love and appreciate somebody that will humble themselves before you. And we see King Saul and how he refused to do that and, and what a disaster he became. Lord, give us a heart that's humble before you. And if we have to suffer some little wrong, big deal, give us a heart that's humble before you. Let us be like you, Lord Jesus. In our attitude, in our behavior, we want to be like you, Jesus. So help us. That's our prayer here on Father's Day. Help us to just be humble before you and help us to love you with our whole heart. And help us to love our children with our whole heart. We pray and ask for these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.